Yo, what's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Nosy AF Podcast. It is me, your friend, Stephanie. And if this is your first time here, the Nosy AF Podcast is the podcast where we talk to people who are nothing like us. Today's guest is a special one to me. It is my homie, Alex Rojas. Alex was one of the first people I met at Columbia College where we both attended film school. And I thought it'd be cool if Alex could give us the lowdown on punk rock culture and skateboarding culture in the Mexican community in Chicago. So I thought it'd be cool because I didn't know anything about it until I met Alex. And I thought that, you know, this would be the perfect time to get to know more. So I'm hoping that you're excited about this. I'm excited. And let's get into the convo. This is Alex Rojas. So, okay, this is going to be crazy, but I remember, like, when I went to Colombia and I met you. Yeah. And, like, Armando, I felt like I had never seen, like, Mexican, like, artsy kids before. Okay. Because, <laughs> like, in Schomburg, the Mexican kids, like, it was split. Like, Schomburg was really segregated socially. Like, all the black kids, right? Right. Like, Schomburg. But then there was yeah. a small group of black kids that did not associate with the whole black kid group. Why you is know? that? I don't know. Like, okay. who knows why? Like, they would be, maybe they felt they like they were just only like amongst fun themselves? Of. Yeah, like they were amongst themselves. Or like, maybe they were like more hanging out with like jocks or, okay. you know, like cheerleaders. Like, they would just find themselves in like other yeah. social groups. Okay. And then I feel like... The Mexican kids, there would be, like, the Cholo-type kids. And there would be, basically, that was it. And then they would all stick together, whether or not, like, there was, like, an ESL group. And it was them. And so, that was it. I never, and so, when, like, I had met you and, like, these other dudes, like, Ricardo and Armando. Yeah. Like, and not only were you guys, like, into art, but you guys, like, also knew things about, like, you know, not like I'm, like, so hood or whatever, but, like, you guys right. really know, like, relevant stuff to, like, black culture, you know, like, stuff like that versus yeah. where, I don't know if I'm making sense, but, like, in Schomburg, like, if you weren't, like, in the black kid group, the black kids that weren't with the black kids, like, were sort of, like, whitewashed. They right. Like, Oreos. And I got called an Oreo all the time, but... I was just like, huh. And it would yeah. be so interesting, like, talking to you about, like, skateboarding and stuff. Because it's like, in Schomburg, only white kids did that. Right. Nobody else really did that. And it was just like, Columbia just sort of blew my mind in that way where you would just see just different people, you know. And it it, it was just wild to me. Yeah, so, like, that, that was, I think, well, where you, you grew up in Schomburg, so that was like about what like 40 minutes outside of Chicago yeah like 40 45 like minutes yeah yeah and so like you know um where I grew up with like Armando too actually um we grew up in Little Village which is in the southwest side in the city you know in Chicago mm-hmm. and <clears throat> our even though I didn't know Armando like as teenagers, we, we met actually like like when we were in college at Columbia, but we grew up in the same neighborhood, and yeah, it I think culturally, what's I guess what's different was 
just that, like our community that we grew up in had always this um, artistic vibe to it. Not mm-hmm. so much like Little Village where I was at, because it was just predominantly like working class and like lower class families. But there was always a big sort of music scene going on in our community. Mm-hmm. Just just from like uh, kids that like grew up listening to like house music and new wave music. And um, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I heard a weird <laughs> sound. Um, and yeah, it was, so music always played like this huge influence, like in our communities, um, and these, which were predominantly Latino communities, uh, predominantly Mexican, uh, communities. And there was like these groups of kids that were like all like party crews and they kind of like at first didn't associate themselves with like the gangs because the gangs had always had had been there from the beginning, you know, like when these communities started like in the, well, I'll say like Little Village really like became predominantly Latino, like in the, in the seventies, whereas like Pilsen, which is the neighborhood right next to, um, Little Village on the east side of Little Village. So it's a little bit more inner Chicago, um, <clears throat> started to become more predominantly Latino, like I want to say like late 50s into the 60s or so because mm-hmm. um, that was one of the first entry points for a lot of like uh, immigrants and like after after well during like world war sorry i'm going like way back <laughs> no no spit that history okay <laughs> but you gotta like you gotta think like you gotta go way back to like say world war Two, basically okay. and so during this period a lot of american citizens went overseas to fight the war or they went you know like the workforce became more women in the workforce because you know all these factories needed people to work these jobs you know that were um, being affected by the war and so they started to the the government started these programs called uh, bracedos i'm probably saying that wrong but it's but it's these programs that um, where they would bring in migrant workers from mexico to work these factory jobs basically and and especially like in the midwest and so during this period a lot of them started to settle like in the industrial areas of chicago which were like in the south side the west side of the city and you know pilsen was like a big part of that of that area and after the war a lot of them stayed you know, okay. after the program, you know, legally, illegally, a lot of them stayed and they started to settle into those communities that they were living in, which a lot of them were kind of like bohemian to begin with, you know, because they were all always kind of like working class, kind of artsy, you know, right. because of like, because of the 60s, you know, and and that art movement. And and so. Like with Pilsen, it just started to then, you know, this is the period then that suddenly, you know, post-World War II, America's fucking richer than it's ever been. And, you know, and it's, but it's predominantly, you know, white people becoming rich, you know, because they're, they're all, you know, the success of of the war has brought America all this wealth. And this is what white flight happens. And 
all the white families that were living in the city start just moving in masses to the suburbs. And the people that are left behind are the ones that can't leave. They can't afford to leave. And that's when, like, neighborhoods like Pilsen and Little Village, even, like, Lawndale and, you know, like, other, like, areas that are, like, now, like, black communities um, start to lose their white residents. And they start to become a a bit more, you know, uh, minority-based. And so, like, where we live in Little Village, it took a little bit longer because it's a little further west of the city and as like Mexican families started to settle in there you know they were getting harassed and you know attacked by younger white thugs you know that were attacking like their kids or just you know out of just pure racism and and so these kids started forming gangs to protect Mm -hmm. themselves you know okay yeah. And and so a lot of this a lot of Chicago's Latino gangs w- kind of arise from simply a source of protection. Protection, yeah. From white gangs, you know, that are, you know, uh trying to keep them away from these communities and sure enough though like they're leaving anyway, so the you know, like by the time, you know, it's like the late 70s, early 80s, the population in like Little Village as far as like white residents is like just maybe 10% at that point, you know? Yeah. And and so now you still have these gangs that still maintain though, you know? And so I think that once any type of gang or any type of group gets too big, they start to splinter you know, or they start to like have differences in ideology and, you know, and how they want to do things. And, and it be, and some of it can become more capitalistic, you know, and, and now they're involved in certain things that make are making them money. So the gangs become like a bigger um, influence in the communities at this point, like in the eighties, um, but what's what started to happen though is that there's these kids that were like coming up that grew up with all these gang stuff and they just didn't want shit to do with it you know mm-hmm. and they were just more kind of like embracing a lot of like the music that they were like hearing on the radio you know that that was coming through and if you're from chicago in the early to mid 80s you're listening to the house you know like yeah. that's what that's what's going on like in these neighborhoods like in latino and black communities like it's house music's huge you know and like you have radio stations like wbmx that's that was playing like you know like uh that was their their audience was black and latino and and they're the ones that are like pushing the house stuff you know and that's when you get like the hot mix five coming out you know which is probably one of the most legendary like mixtapes of all time and and they're these kids are like picking up onto it and you know like they're starting to like kind of form like they have like this sort of like crew gang mentality thing going on but not like the violent aspect of it yeah they just like they just want to like i want to party with my boys i want to you know i want to have my crew thing going on you know and so they start like their own little groups little cliques 
and you know they start to give themselves names you know so you have like you know the party nights or like latin image you know and and all these different names that they come up you know like orange crush so like oh yeah i've heard of orange crush yeah the orange crush is one of the biggest party crews back in the day and and they you know they start dressing like very similar they have like letterman jackets with their own colors and designs and and they start throwing their own parties you know as they get older you know they kind of like start to advance like the whole party culture and it and and it becomes like this mixture of like the house stuff but then this is the same period that like a lot of synth music is also like coming up and Mm -hmm. and a lot of house djs um producers were really into like synth stuff like craft work you know which is like old german you know like a group that was doing like some like the original synth music back in the so, day like is, is synth music like synthesizers right yeah basically it's it's huh. all it's a whole new like basically uh instrument that they're utilizing you know and oh, the weird. most famous being like the 808 that a, a lot of house uh, producers were do- using, and but then the, you know there was like this was a lot of synth was coming up through like the new wave music that came after like the punk scene, you know. So and, wait a minute, hold up, real yeah. quick. The 808 came from Germans. I don't know exactly where it originates, but I'm pretty sure that the 808 stems from like um, equipment that. Craftwork, uh, which is a German band, was using. They oh. might have been like the first ones to use the 808, <clears throat> but I'm not completely sure. I just know that like it, it's just, it's part of like that whole synth uh, genre that Craftwork um, was using. Yeah, okay. and and so you know, like New Wave was utilizing synth music as well. And so I think that's where like a lot of these party crews just started to embrace house and new wave in our communities. And and so they would throw these parties and and they would have like dance battles with each other and but it was, you know, it was kind of like good-natured for the most part, you know, like it's going to get stupid cuz you got teenagers and you got like alcohol and you got yes, like, like you know, like trying to dance with my girl. Right. Just about every fight probably in the history of whatever always stems over some idiot guy pissed off over some other guy hitting on his girl. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's probably this, what's all our problems stem from. And Right. I know. I was like, we could trace that back to a lot of stuff probably. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so like, you know, that's, things would kind of like get a little violent, but, that happens at any type of party, you know, like, or that can happen. So, but I, what it, what started to get more complicated was that like these issues, cause now you had like all these different crews together, you know, like, and, and everyone started a crew, every block started to have a crew, you know, and now more crews just means more beefs, you know, because, mm-hmm. cause you know, everyone's splintered off. Everyone's really proud about your crew and and now it's a matter of respect and like you know like are you down for the crew type of shit and so now it starts to add more tension right more conflicts and like i mentioned a lot of these dudes that were in this 
these crews were younger than their older siblings that were gangbangers, you know, the prior generation. So, you know, what do you think is going to happen when, you know, like a guy's got an issue with another crew and he knows they're going to kick his ass. He can just go to his older brother and be like, hey, man, can you get, you know, like you and one of your gamer friends to like back us up? And they're like, yeah, we'll back you up. And then they oh go, my gosh. Back, you know, back them up, beat the shit out of that other crew. And then the gangs afterwards going to be like, all right, what are you going to do for us now? You know? And, oh, and, Lord. and, and he's that's like, I could dance battle. I'll battle somebody. Right. Dance them. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, but then that's what started to happen was that the gang started to get involved in the conflicts between some of the crews. Then they started to see like, hey, these parties are pretty cool. There's a lot of girls here, <laughs> you know, like let's let's get involved in this and then it just became like a cycle of like and here we go again you know like so by like the late eh, by the late 80s a lot of these party crews started to get swallowed up by the gangs and so they became like the peewees of the gangs basically you know like a minor league system for gangbangers and and so it just started to get like conflicted and and that scene just started to like <clears throat> just dwindle and and then evaporate, you know, because all those party crew kids either just got older and got out of it, or they were really young. They just became gangbangers, you know. Dang. And, and then that scene was gone. And then like house music kind of like went away a bit, or it, it like evolved into like um, into more of what like England was doing because they adopted house and so they were doing like acid house and then new wave just kind of died out to people weren't really into it anymore but then like as the gang culture started to like reemerge, that's when the start of gangster rap was starting to come out and and that's when a lot of latino kids in the hood by like the 90s started to embrace the whole like California cholo, you know, gangster image. Cause it wasn't yeah. really, it was, it was like by the late eighties. Cause the early eighties dudes weren't really doing that. Like the gangbanger dudes in the early eighties mm-hmm. in Chicago weren't, weren't dressing like LA gangbangers, you know, like yeah. it wasn't until really like the late eighties that they started doing that. And so like they started to like, um, adapt like the whole gangster rap thing. And, and that's when, like, the hood just became a whole different environment now, you know? Like, things got, like, rougher. They got um, darker during that period. And a lot of the people that were, like, really into, like, the house and the new wave stuff, just, there was, like, just very few of them left. And I think a lot of them that sort of just, the ones that remained discovered like punk rock and and that became like an extreme type of like i don't know uh an extreme way to go you know rather than just following what everybody else was doing in the neighborhood and so so then that's sort of like the period that like you know like one of the most influential hardcore punk bands in chicago started to form like in the early 90s and they played like in Pilsen and Little Village, <clears throat> and they what were called. What was their uh, name? 
uh, they're they're called los crudos, huh. and and los crudos just it's span it's in Spanish and they predominantly just sang in Spanish, um, and it just los crudos just means kind of like raw. It means like it, it could also mean like you know like a hangover you have after like a heavy night of drinking, you know. So yeah. So wait, this is like punk rock, Mexican music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, it's so what's what started to happen at this point? Well, it's it's hardcore, which is hardcore is oh. part of punk, basically. But hardcore comes out of like um, <clears throat> it started like in the early '80s in in like um, Washington D.C. and um, and it it was sort of like the the second generation of punk. Because the first generation yeah. was like in the late seventies, and then that died out really fast. And then it and it, and it was going on in like England and in the U.S. predominantly during the late seventies at the same time. But in the U.S., after like the first wave of the punk stuff, which you know, like you, the Ramones being like the most famous of yeah. of that era, emerged like the second wave of punk which is hardcore and it was just a it was more combative than like more like in your face and dealt with more like social issues you know and so a, a little bit more politically aware i mean not not yeah. all of it but like the ones that emerged were were kind of like that because it makes sense because it, it was kind of like out of washington dc so you know like there's probably no other place in the world where there's more politics than in Washington, D.C. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the kids of, like, politicians, basically, were the ones that were involved in this, in, in the hardcore scene. Hmm. So it just made sense then that, like, this movement was happening in the 80s, and then it carried over into, like, Little Village and Pilsen by, like, the late 80s, early 90s. Because I think that's when this reemergence of like being polit politically, socially aware started to kind of come up because this is the time that like gangs are just like predominantly like just running the neighborhood. You know, the 90s also being the period that had the most murders in Chicago, you know, like, I mean, we had like something like a thousand murders per year, Ugh. you know, like, which, which if you look at the numbers compared to New York, New York is, you know, whose population is so much bigger than um, Chicago's. Mm -hmm. Like they didn't, they didn't even reach a thousand murders, you know, like, yeah. And so we're a population that's not even close to what they are. And we outrank them in total in murders, you know, like Dang. that's insane. And this was, going on since like the 90s you know yeah so so i think that a lot of people that were just more socially aware just like needed some kind of outlet you know and then i think that's sort of like like what the grudos were doing was that they just became socially conscious of what was going on in the neighborhood what was going on in like latin american countries where there were a lot of like civil unrest you know and civil wars going on and 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 it just like this is the era that I grew up in, yeah. And then and that's when it like I grew up sort of like with seeing this transition happen in my neighborhood, 
and and seeing like this emergence of like of the gang culture just starting to like just like just take kids just just take them you know like consume yeah. them use them and and throw them out and and i just it saddened me to always like every school year you know like i'd have a best friend and then next thing i know the next year he's a gangbanger and then i make a new friend next year he's a gangbanger you know like and and it's just like yeah it's scary too because it's just like you don't know like what kind of you don't know what kind of mindset they have or whatever. And it's like, yeah. you and you were talking about how, like, the party crews, how they would come from dance battles. Right. To, like, being gangbangers. It's like, dang, I wonder how many gangbangers are, like, deep down, like, <laughs> Wanting to dance? <laughs> you just need to dance. <laughs> I know. Like, if I go, like, to, like, the house music festival, like, probably see yeah. people out there getting down. It's like, man, that's probably because you turned away from dancing. Yeah. Back in the day. That's what mm. happens. It's no, you know what? There's, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of truth in that, and, 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 but that's the thing too was that like, you know, ultimately it's like all these kids really want to do is just party, you know, and like yeah. have a good time, but the environment becomes one of survival, you know. Yeah. And and so you like you just. I can't dance because if I dance, I'm gonna they're gonna roll up on me and I'm not gonna be, be aware of it. Right, you like know? it's like it sort of starts to mess up everything because it's like, yeah, I can't really talk to you, pretty girl, at this party, dance all on you and stuff like that because I need to like watch my back. Right. So like I'm just gonna have to like leave this as it is because maybe even if we get too close, then like you could be in danger. Like it, right. it just it just is too much for yeah. people to think about. Oh, you're right. Like while they're like. Can you imagine like doing like some break dance and like as soon as you like come out of it and you like turn around and like there's like three dudes there ready to fight you like that's not cool. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, that's the that's the thing that like I just started to see happen because I even like to go back again to the, the party crews. I started as a kid. I would see like the rival crews like crash a party crew's party. And then just fights break out, you know? And I just remember, like, there being, like, this one, some kid was throwing a party at his house. And I just, I fell asleep in the living room for some reason that night. It was, like, a weekend. And I just hear all this commotion. I look out the window, and I just see, like, someone being thrown out the window (laughs) across the street. And I'm just like, oh, shit, what's going on? That's scary. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the... Little Village is no joke. <laughs> but, like, by the time that I was a teenager, like, I just, like, I grew up around all this bullshit, and I just, like, I want nothing to do with this. Like, I, you know, I was always drawn to music, and sort of, like, the importance of, of it, like, the social political importance of it, mm-hmm. and, and, and the significance of, uh, of where these originators of the music were coming from like i've come to really respect gangster rap at least uh nwa right right nwa and yeah and and a lot of just like the west coast scene because they they were definitely like um trying to like inform you of what was going on in the street culture at the time yeah and and so i i get that but I also saw the negative side of how it started to influence these kids in my neighborhood who, who started to 
glamorize and and not get the message you know like they 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 see like the the stories that are being told in the music and for them those became heroic versus yeah it being actually like a warning you know of like a wake-up call of of like man i better like take care of my ass rather than i'm gonna go start some shit you know like and that's how a lot of the kids took it was kind of like i'm you know like and it's it's a weird cycle because it's like you're living it so you relate to it but -hmm. then the message that you're you're getting the wrong message from it and you're not you know like understand i mean it's teenagers they're not gonna get yeah. like the full meaning of things you know and and sometimes right. it helps that like i'm never about censorship i'm never about like saying you can't express that you know i think what the problem is that there aren't like some like i don't know like a some uh, a guiding presence that can be like you know what they really mean is this this is what's happening you know like yeah and you know versus you know go out and do this you know right like, that's like not any the sort point. of like application to it you yeah. know like how they can apply it and you know what it makes me think of like back in the suburbs it's like meanwhile back in schomburg i don't know what the kids out there are relating to it to so much like i would love to get yeah. somebody like a regular white kid on my podcast be like well what were, what were you so interested in because it's not as if like you were right. living this life living you know that right. you can like well, apply I think to it uh, but like why were you so interested it's, it's not I your life. It, it's, I mean, I t- personally, I think that it's a natural reaction to just being rebellious, you know, and and being like, oh, like this is like legit, you know, like this is this is more real than anything they've experienced, you know. And I think that for a lot of kids, because I, I saw it like in the punk scene too, you know, like how they'd be like rich kids like from Highland Park. You know, Highland Park being where Michael Jordan lived, you know, like, yeah, right. These kids were like, come down to the city. And like, when I first met a lot of these kids, I met them like on the street, like at punk shows and stuff. And like, they would be panhandling, you know, like looking poor as shit, like fucking like gutter punks and, and like begging for money. And then like in the winter, they'd be gone. And I'm like, where the fuck are these kids at? You know, like I'm over here like freezing like at the bus stop. Yeah. And they're all like, oh, they're back home. Like home, like where? Like Highland Park, man. (laughs) Like (laughs) they're back at their parents' house. And that's when I started to see like, oh, there is a difference here. There's a, (laughs) there's us and them type of thing, you know, like, and, and I think that's sort of like the, for those punk kids, it, there was this romanticized notion of being like poor and like living in the gutter and like you know like not giving a shit you know because i'm real you know and and i think that's sort of like what i think a lot of suburban white kids in like the 80s and the 90s sort of like saw in like gangster rap was just like the romanticism being like you know the anti-hero or you know like the going against society, being rebellious, you know, because it's such a natural aspect of being a teenager to want to be rebellious mm-hmm. that it was the coolest thing. And that's something that white kids have always been doing with, especially with black culture, you know, like they've always been like, you know, as Stealing far as stuff. back, yeah, from jazz, <laughs> blues, rock and roll, you know, like, I mean, they, they've been just 
embracing it and then like wanting to be it, you know? Yeah. And it, of course it was going to happen with hip hop and gangster rap, you know, like it was, it, they were, they were going to want that as well, you know? So I, I like, I get that notion. Like, but like for me with like a lot of like the Latino kids in my neighborhood, it was an aspect of like also romanticizing it, but then like they're living it as well. You know, like they, they relate to those aspects of, you know, of, of living like in the hood, being in gang culture, being harassed by police. Like it's, it was speaking to them, you know, but like, but for me personally, it was just like, I just, I, I wanted nothing to do with the gang stuff. It was just, to me, it was just like a bunch of bullies yeah. being together. And now the neighborhood's being run by bullies. And I was a fucking nerd, you know? Like, I was a complete nerd kid. And I was all into pop culture, you know, and, like, music. And, like, you know, my... I think at that age, like, what when I was really young, one of the things that really got to me was, like, this image that I saw of uh, a Joy Division cover for their album Closer and is that and a it, punk group it's uh, it's a post-punk group so they like uh-huh. they, they grew up like in the era of like the towards the end of like their first wave of punk rock but oh, they uh-huh. kind of started to do more kind of like a um, something that was a little bit like dancier punk and and but it was dark too, though. Like the like the music, the lyrics were just really about like sadness and, and being broken. Um, but it would change from like really like moody atmospheres to kind of just more upbeat, livelier moods. So I just like fell for it because I was just like, "Fuck, I'm feeling this," you know. And I think there was also the appeal of like no one else is into this, you know, like yeah. like like no way the gangbangers are gonna like this you know like so to me like that's cool you know and it was like a safety place for you too yeah right basically you know and i think that's why i just started to embrace a lot of like you know because i growing up I, I loved all the like the house stuff and the new wave stuff but then when the neighborhood just got darker i just started to embrace darker harder music as well mm. and and then that's but I wasn't going to go the route that everybody else was going. I was going to go find my own thing. So I was just completely like into the, um, what was starting to come out at that era, which was uh, a lot of like the rock music, just, you know, I mean, I guess what a lot of people call like alternative, you know, or grunge. That was like what was emerging. Like Green Day? Well, that's, Green Day is more of like the, uh, pop punk that happened like in the or sort of, sort of yeah early 80s but not okay. so much i got into like some pop punk stuff but not not so much green day but there were like other bands that i liked that were part of that era and that's sort of actually like how i started to sort of like embrace more punk because it was like there were bands like rancid that were mm-hmm. um part of that California scene as well as Green Day and The Offspring was you know these were like the bigger bands that that were like on MTV and getting a lot of attention 
And then I got really lucky because there was this kid that lived down the street from me who um, just had like this long, dirty hair, like big black combat boots and um, wore like an army jacket all the time. Yeah. And he would like notice me or, you know, and I'd be wearing like an Alice in Chains t-shirt, you know, and this, I was like, I don't know, 12 maybe at the time. (laughs) And, and and so, but like, I don't, I see him. I'm like, oh, that kid's too cool. (laughs) Like, I can't talk to him. I'm like a dork. I'm wearing like a a Nike windbreaker with an Alice in Chains t-shirt. Like, I'm the biggest idiot there, you know? That sounds pretty fly. Well, now it's fly, but back yeah. then it's just like, make up your mind. What are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? But back then it was just like, well, I I like basketball and I like, you know, like rock music. Like, what do I do? <laughs> right. So, so like the, but he would see me and eventually he just like came up to me and he's like, what's up, man? Like, but he wasn't a dick or anything. He was just like, what's up? I see you. You like Alice. What else are you into? You know? Yeah. And I'm just like, well, I know some of these bands. And he's like, all right, that's cool, man. He's like, wait right here. I'm like, all right. And then he like goes into his house, comes back, and he gives me like these three CDs. And like one of them was like a, a Pearl Jam one, which like, yeah, I know Pearl Jam. That's cool. That's fine. And then, but the other two, I wasn't that aware of. One of them was like Ministry, which is like industrial music. Yeah. And then the third one, though, was the one that really got to me, and that was The Misfits. And it was like a collection of some of their best best hits. And and that one scared the shit out of me to listen to because mm-hmm. the album cover for, like, people that don't know The Misfits, it's like their emblem is basically like the skeleton head. Mm. But it's really like <laughs> there's a lot of character in it, if you can believe that, like in, in a – in a skull like it's really creatively done and um i think it might be an image from like an old like old old horror film from like way back in the day yeah like i could picture it actually in my head but i guess i didn't pay attention to like as how much detail like i could see the detail but i never really paid attention to the detail if that makes sense no yeah yeah but like if you really look at it it's got amazing detail to it and um and that was like the last one i'd (laughs) I like, I chose to listen to it because it freaked me out. I'm like, this is some devil music, man. I can't. <laughs> I don't know if I can yeah. do this, yeah. you know. And but then I finally gave it a try, and it became like my most favorite thing in the world because it was just. It's basically like, um, really great pop music, but like filtered through like really great rock and roll Mm. like it's just it's just like it's addictive like you listen to it and they're they're basically constructed like pop songs like the misfits are geniuses because they constructed their songs like pop songs but they gave it like a hard edge to it and they gave it like this whole like aura of like horror and but like really like poppy horror and like this whole like uh 50s sort of sci-fi horror look to it and feel to it so the songs are like teenagers from mars you know like song titles like that or you know like um 
they they always had like that sort of nostalgic edge to it of of like the 50s you know and but like with this horror and it was just genius like like what they did and like the i just ended up loving the hell out of that and that opened my whole world to punk rock like right after that and and then um that kid's older brother played in a punk band that was um that came up in like little village and stuff and they just started letting me hang out with them you know and like i would just ride along with them to like shows to punk shows and i'm just like where are we going like like just come like all right fuck it like and we end up like <laughs> we'd end up at some like really seedy looking like hall somewhere and there'd be like some random punk band playing from like new jersey or something and i just started to love the whole aspect of it because it was just like um so different than what i was seeing in little village you know like everything was like there, there was like no pretensions you know people just fucking dressed however they wanted to dress and like yeah everyone was cool with each other the shows were like cheap you know like you didn't have to do drugs if you didn't want to like it was just like really welcoming and cool and nice and it was really great for me to see like other latino kids also embracing punk rock right you know and that's when i started to see like um this whole scene was going on that i didn't even know about and like pilsen and little village of just like this whole underground latino scene of uh punk bands and um latino artists and like a lot of people that were a lot more politically minded and socially aware and and it just started to get me excited about um music again and and then that's when i just started to like embrace um this whole new culture that was happening and 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 just be excited that there were so many other people that were involved in it Y'all, let me tell you something. I could talk to Alex all day. And I did pretty much talk to him all day. Um, after we recorded, we just kept talking. And it was really great to catch up with him. I hope you guys enjoyed today's conversation and you learned something new. I would love to hear from you, whether you want to send me an email, you want to slide my DMs on Instagram, you want to review me on um, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, wherever you're listening with this i am just so thankful that you're listening and i'm thankful to alex for schooling me on punk rock culture i just had no idea and i'm excited i feel even more smarter i think alex also needs to make me like a mixtape like a nosy af punk rock mixtape or something i'm gonna ask him about that for real for real anywho listen i'm so happy that you're here i hope you have a wonderful day a wonderful week And uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Peace.